We're going to look at a topical sermon about the topic of death. And I decided to teach on this tonight because once again, we have lost a family member. We've suffered loss. And so I decided tonight to teach on this subject because I think it's important that Christians would understand the subject of death. I titled the sermon, Death the Beginning or Death the End. First, before we get into the heart of the message, a few things about death itself. First off, death would not be here if it wasn't for mankind, if it wasn't for sin. Ecclesiastes 7.29 says this, See, this alone I found that God made man upright. God created Adam and Eve upright and without sin. But these Two were tempted by Satan. They were tempted to eat of what was forbidden. And Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. They listened to the serpent, the lie, rather than God. They went against their conscience. They sinned. And because of their sin, this world has fallen. Fallen into sin. Corrupt. Broken. Sin-filled. Rebellion-filled. Filled with pain and suffering. All because of original sin. That original sin has affected each and every one of us. It's affected us all. When Adam fell, we all fell in him. Through this one man, sin spread to all mankind. That's what the Scriptures teach. Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all have sinned. So because of sin, death. We have death in this world because of sin. Death to all because all have sinned. Romans 6.23 says the wage of our sin, the, the wage of the sin of man is death. Literally, you could translate it, the price that is owed is death. The price of sin is death. So when you look around and you see all the death in this world, you see your loved ones dying, you see many people going on to be with the Lord before you, it is because of sin. A lot of times we want to say, God, why is there so much suffering in the world? Why is there so much pain in the world? Why is there so much death in the world? The answer to this question is sin. Sin is what brought death to this world. The answer to why you lose your loved ones, why people get cancer and die, is because of the sin of man. You want to know why it is here? It is because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Death is painful. It is not something to be glossed over. It's not something to be ignored. The pain of it should not be minimized. Please hear me say that tonight. Too many Christians treat death as something that should be celebrated rather than grieved. But this isn't how God Himself treats death. Ezekiel 33.11, God says there that He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God is grieved by death and so should we. It is As the Scripture describes, death is an enemy. 
It is no friend. It is an enemy. While there are blessings in death for the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, death itself is wrong. Death itself is a wage of sin. Death itself is a curse on this world. And as we experience death, hear me tonight, we should be grieved by it. One commentator put it this way, no matter the benefits after death, death itself is an abomination. Death is an unwelcome guest. It has no place in creation. Rather, it stormed onto the scene as a thief upon life, upon the entrance of sin into this world. Therefore, death itself is not to be celebrated. Death itself is an enemy. We cannot merely rejoice when a Christian dies, somehow forgetting that death is an enemy. 1 Corinthians 15.26 tells us there clearly that death is an enemy. It is an enemy to be grieved. It's an enemy to be hated. An enemy because of man's rebellion against God. And I am thoroughly convinced, the longer that I study the Word, the longer that I experience life, I am thoroughly convinced that the greatest consequence that we face in this world because of sin is death. We see the way that Jesus felt about sin, about death, in John chapter 11. There in that chapter, you all are probably familiar with it, it's, it's where Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And we know from that chapter that Lazarus has literally died for the glory of Christ, died for the glory of God that He may raise him from the dead. Lazarus has died so that Christ may demonstrate that He is the resurrection and the life. Lazarus has died so that we would all see that death has no hold on Christ and any who are in Christ. Lazarus has died so that we would all see that Christ is truly the great I Am who has power over the grave. There in John chapter 11, Jesus Christ comes upon a scene where there is great grief over death. There at Lazarus' tomb, there were paid mourners who were weeping and wailing. Mary and Martha were both distraught with grief over their dead brother. And when Jesus came to Mary, Lazarus' sister, when he saw her grief, when he saw her struggles, when he sees her doubt, her unbelief, Really, when he sees all the results of the fall in her life, this is how he reacts in John chapter 11, verse 33. It says there, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit. And it says there, he was greatly troubled. And if you go down a few verses, it says, the shortest verse in the Bible, it says there, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. A passage of Scripture that I believe to be one of the most misinterpreted passages in all of the Bible. Many think that Jesus was just upset because His friend had died, Lazarus. But remember, He's about to call Lazarus from the tomb. Listen to Jesus' own words in the beginning of the chapter. In verse 4, he says this, 
This illness of Lazarus, it does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. And then he says in verse 11, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will go and awaken him. Jesus does not weep for Lazarus. He's absolutely certain that he will call Lazarus from the tomb. If Jesus is weeping for Lazarus, then he's, he's disconnected from reality. And this just is not the case. Instead, he is confident that he will raise this man from the grave. His tears. Why does Jesus weep? Well, I believe it's because of that scene that he comes upon. I believe it's because of those tears of Mary that he experiences. I believe it's all of the consequences of this, the fall right there in front of him. In his humanity, Jesus experiences the grief of mankind. He experiences the pain, the sting of death that we all feel. I believe that Christ, he, he weeps in this circumstances because of Mary's unbelief because of the results of it, because of the wage of sin, because of the pain that death inflicts on mankind, the pain that we all feel with death. He, he weeps over it all. This broken world, sin, sickness, pain, and death, the consequences of the fall, the anguish of His friends that they feel right then and there. The anguish that his friends feel for their dear brother that has gone on, who has died, who has fallen asleep. This is why I believe Jesus wept in, in John chapter 11. And I, as I think about that, I want you to think about it tonight. Jesus weeps as we weep. The Lord, he cries with us. He empathizes with our weakness. He, he sees their pain at that, that tomb. He sees their suffering. He is near to the broken hearted. He is the great high priest that sympathizes with our weaknesses. His tears, in my opinion, are from the great indignation, the great grief that he has towards sin, death, and the unbelief of mankind. There in that text, I believe we see Jesus treating death as the enemy that it is. And when we all experience death in our life, we should too also grieve because death is an enemy. Death itself should never be celebrated. The fact that we lose people in this life is a direct result of sin. And it is a tragedy because of sin. Hear me tonight. Every single person that you see put into the ground, every single person that you see go on to, to be with the Lord, this is a tragedy because of sin in this life. But as we experience death, that all being said, there is still reason to rejoice as Christians. But I really want you to hear my point tonight. It is not death that we celebrate. It is not death that we rejoice in. But it is the gain that the believers experience when they leave this world. It is the life after death that we rejoice in. We rejoice because the Christ who is the life, He invades death. And He gives life. This is why we rejoice. 
This is why we celebrate. Because out of darkness, light. Because out of death, life. Because Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. Because He is the one who conquers death. He is the one who gives life to those who do not deserve it. We rejoice because it is Lazarus who walked out of the grave. We rejoice because as believers, death has no hold on us. We rejoice because as believers, death truly has lost its sting. Believe me, it hurts to die. And there is a sting to death that is in this life. But when we say death has lost its sting, truly, when we die, it is gain. When we die, there is no eternity in hell for those who have trusted in Christ alone for their salvation. When we die, death has lost its sting because there is no hell waiting for you. It is truly not, not death to die. There is no eternal torment for you if you know Christ. There is no eternity in God's hell. There is no eternal death for you. So tonight, Christian, if you know the Lord, death has lost its sting. And this is why we rejoice. This is why we celebrate. Because death has lost its sting. Death has lost its sting for the believer because Christ conquered sin and death. While that was the wage, the price was death. We have one who paid the price in full. The bill says paid in full because of what Jesus Christ has done. The wage has been paid. It was paid by His perfect life lived. It was paid by His perfect sacrifice on the cross in the place of sinners. It was paid because He was the propitiation for our sins. There He drank our eternal death on the cross. Death has lost its sting because we have Christ's righteousness accounted to us and His perfect death to pay our debt in full. Jesus Christ, He told us this much when He declared on the cross that it was finished. It was finished. The wage of sin, the wage of sin which is death, it was paid in full. And to prove that the Father has accepted the payment and that Christ was God in the flesh and that we all have hope after this life, Christ, He rose from the grave. Christ, the resurrection and the life is risen and we will all live because He lives. Jesus has overcome, He has conquered death and there is hope in His name here tonight. There is hope after death because of what Jesus has done. There is eternal life in His name. Jesus made this clear. John chapter 5, verse 24, He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears My words and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but passes from death to life. These are the words of Christ. While our mortal bodies may fail, while we might experience death in this life, those who know Christ will not experience an eternal death, but we will pass from death to life. 
John 3.16 also makes this clear. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not what? Should not perish, but have eternal life. Perishing is the wage of sin. It is the eternal wage of sin. It is the price because you have fallen short of the glory of God. But God, He so loved sinners. He loved sinners enough to send His one and only Son to pay the price in full that they may not perish, but that they would have eternal life. And this is the very thing that we celebrate in death. We don't celebrate death itself, but we celebrate the fact that God gives eternal life to those who are in Christ. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the verse, it does not stop there. That's only a part of the story. It goes on to say, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the Christian, death is to be grieved as an enemy. It is painful. It is wrong. It is a consequence of sin. But hear me tonight, it is not the end. It is not the end. For the Christian, there is rejoicing in death because it is the very beginning. It is the beginning of everlasting life with your God. It is the beginning of eternity unimaginable with Him. There is so much to hope for as a believer in death. So much to hope for. In John chapter 14, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, He said, let not your hearts be troubled because He goes and He prepares a place for His children there in heaven. To the thief on the cross, Jesus said of heaven that it was paradise. Paul said of his life in Philippians 1.21, that for him to live was to be in service to Christ, but to die for the Apostle Paul was gain. And he said this, he said to be with Christ in verse 23 was far better. Far better to be with Christ. He said in 2 Corinthians 4, chapter 17, he said there that this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. There in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, what's Paul speaking about? He's speaking about the suffering in this life. He's even speaking about the fact that we are all dying, which he spoke about in the previous verse. And he considers this affliction as weightlessness, as light. He considers the most intense suffering of this life imaginable to be weightless and brief. That's what he is saying there in that verse. And I want you to hear who that is coming from tonight. This is coming from the Apostle Paul, who we know could have possibly suffered more than any man in all of history apart from Jesus Christ. He, as a Christian, suffered more for the Gospel than anyone else. And yet he says it's all light, momentary, weightless affliction that is brief and fleeting. And what's he say? It's not to be compared to the heaviness 
to the magnitude of what awaits. To the eternal weight of glory that we will receive in Christ. No matter what you're going through, no matter how much you experience death in this life, no matter your suffering, no matter your affliction in this life, it is not to be compared to the eternal glory that awaits God's people in Christ. We have such an inheritance in Christ. And oftentimes, we, we struggle in this life because we, we get our view on the wrong things. He goes on to tell us in verse 18 what we should be focused on. He says there, as we looked not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. He's telling you, Christian, tonight, you need to look beyond this life. We need to look beyond what is temporary right in front of you. Your hope is not in this life. God's focus is on eternity. God's focus is on the fact that your soul is eternal. And it will either everlastingly be with Him or in His hell. you got to get your focus off the here and now and start thinking beyond this life. Thinking beyond the things that are temporary. Looking beyond what is dying, what is passing away in this life. And look to what he says is the spiritual. Look to what he says is the eternal to the things unseen. The things that are unseen, that is where our hope is as Christians. This is what we must do in death. When we grieve death, when we grieve the fact that we've lost a loved one, or maybe we even have a a terminal diagnosis ourselves. We can't stay there. We have to move on. Our hope is beyond the physical. Our hope is beyond this life that lies right in front of you. Our hope is in the spiritual, the eternal. It is in God Himself. So please look beyond this life. It is right to grieve death. As we think about it, as we contemplate it, death itself, it's not right. It's not a good thing. But when we grieve, we should not stay there. When we grieve and we think about the fact that it, it's, the wage of it is sin, that it's an enemy, we can't stay there. We also have to remember our hope beyond this life. We at the same time need to rejoice because Christ, He conquered death. Because He overcame the grave. Because He gives life to the dead. He gives eternal life to those who are perishing. He gives life. He gives life. And that life that He gives, what did Paul just tell us? It's not worth comparing to anything in this world. Anything that you would go through, there is an eternal weight of glory there that is far beyond even our imagination. Tonight, I want you to hear this. For, for the Christian, death is the beginning. It is being said, and I believe it to be true, the greatest hell that a believer will ever experience is this life. It has also been said that the greatest heaven that an unbeliever will ever experience is this life. 
So this is the hardest thing as a believer that you're ever going to have to go through. But as an unbeliever, this is the greatest life that you will ever have. For the one who does not know Christ, for the one who does not know the way, the truth, and the life, death is the end. Death is the end of everything good in life. Death is the end of every good and perfect gift that comes down from the Father of lights. For the one who rejects the glorious gospel of the crucified, risen Christ, death is your end. The Scriptures declare that that death is called the second death. Hear me on this point. Blessed are those who are born twice, and only die once. And cursed are those who are born once and only who are born once and die twice. Do you understand the riddle? You were born once from your mother's womb and you need to be born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you are, you will only die once. But if you were only born once and you've never had a spiritual rebirth, then you will die twice. And that second death is the eternal death. Hear my words tonight. You must be born again. If you are not born again, you will not only die in this life, but you will die for all of eternity. This is what the Scriptures declare. Revelation 20.14 says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake that burns with fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And in case tonight you're thinking, well, not me. The lake of fire, it's only for people like Hitler. I'm a good person. It's only for really bad people. Hear the word of the Lord. In Revelation 21.8, it says, But as for the cowardly, who amongst us has not been a coward? As for the faithless, who has not struggled with unbelief in their life? As for the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexual morality, immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars. They will have their portion in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. We are all on that list. There's none of us that are not on that list. We are all in desperate need of Christ to escape the second death. If you have not yet bent your knee to Jesus Christ, if you have not yet raised the white flag of surrender to God Almighty, if you have not sought peace with God through the only name under heaven to which peace can be found, Jesus Christ, today God has given you a gift. He has given you time. He's given you breath in your lungs to turn to Christ tonight and escape this second death. I promise you that death will be a fearful, a horrendous death. And that awaits all who reject Jesus Christ. I finish with this tonight. For the Christian, it is not death to die. For a Christian, death is the beginning. For the unbeliever, it truly is death to die. Repent if you don't know Christ and trust in Him today. Trust Christ and you will not know of this second death. 
through Christ, we are all more than conquerors in Him. And we will be even victorious in death. There is power in Christ over the second death. That book of Revelation, it makes this clear. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Revelation 26 20 verse 6 says this, Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. In Christ, the second death has no power over you. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, even over death. I promise you today that Christ is your only hope in life and death. And there will only be two types of people in the end. Those who have overcome death by the blood of the Lamb and those who will die for an eternity without Him. Will death be your beginning or will it be your end? Tonight, please, let death be your beginning. Know Christ and live with Him for eternity.